God is good, amen? amen. I said, God is good, hallelujah. That was a good amen, but man, I just kind of want another one because, you know, amen doesn't do anything for me, praise the Lord, but it does show our, our, uh, our, our excitement for the things of God. Glory to God. And there ain't nothing, you know, they say in heaven that there's, that, you know, when uh, someone says uh, praise the Lord, that it, it, it creates a chain reaction that just goes throughout all of heaven and everybody just praises. And, you know, it's kind of like, isn't, isn't it good when something gets stirred up? You know, in a world where there's so much that comes against us, in a world where there's so much opposition, in a world where there's so much that wants to destroy us, that wants to keep us down, that wants to hinder us, praise the Lord in that kind of world that we can still get stirred up into the things of God. We can get stirred up, praise the Lord, into better things, bigger things. Glory to God. And I'm just, I don't even know, man, I'm telling you right now, I'm excited about, we're continuing this, this, this message that I started last week, and I'm, I'm excited for it. There's so much I could say, amen. There's so much I have in me, and, I, I, and I'm just, you know, I'm excited for it to come out. I don't know if we'll get all the way through the end, but if we don't, we still can have another week next week. Amen. We can't have too many more weeks because within just a few weeks, I won't be in your presence for, uh, what, nearly uh, three, three, three full weeks. I won't be, you still come to church. Yeah, because she'll be here. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Glory to God. We won't leave you hanging. We'll make sure somebody's here. Amen. And, and, and glory to God. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, man, God's doing such wonderful things. And I'm so glad that he, he's choosing us to do it. Amen. Amen. So uh, today's message is called Why a Pastor? Part 2. The pastoral role in the, in the church. Amen. And of course, uh, you know, I'm not speaking about me. I'm not preaching this message. If you were here last week or you tuned in last week or even understand anything about the way we preach, I haven't preached this because I'm trying to, to, to uplift me and show you how good I am or how great I am or even how good or great my wife is. It has nothing to do with that. But it really is, we have to understand that God has set the, 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 the body in order the way he saw fit. And the Bible tells us that he gave us the ministry offices over there in Ephesians uh, 4. You know, it tells us about the ministry office that God gave us for the perfecting of the saints. And, and although that many times when we're preaching about uh, the different offices, we do go to Ephesians 4. We're not doing that today. Um, but uh, we, we are seeing some things about why we need a pastor. You know, so many, uh, you know, we're not going to this scripture either. But Jesus said he, he looked on the people and, and had compassion on them because they were scattered in fate as sheep without a shepherd. And literally, the word pastor is, uh, it's an old word, amen, but it literally means shepherd. That's what it literally means. So when you hear pastor, you think of a, usually a person that stands in a pulpit, but a pastor is a shepherd. And, and, and God used those examples of, of shepherding sheep so often. He said we needed them. People without a pastor are scattered and faint. Amen. That means that they, they, they're, they're lost in life. And there's a reason for that. Because, and, and, and the reason is, is because one of the main things a pastor does, and we'll be talking about some of this today, we're also going to be talking about what a pastor is not for today. Amen. So, but we're, one of the things that the pastor is for is to help, to help guide us in our spiritual walk. Because how many know, you know, a baby... Although every human is capable in essence of, of doing all the things every other human is capable of doing, a baby has to be trained in certain things until they get to a place where they can stand on their own. And then even going in different stages in life, there's things that you have to learn. You know, this week I got to sit with a precious man of God who's been in the ministry for six, well, over 60 years. The guy, uh, he's about to turn 90 years old and 
Amen. He started ministry in his early 20s, uh, his very early 20s, and just it was just so awesome to sit before him. But as I sat before him, one of the things that I realized is that he has done and seen so much more than I have. Amen. And he knows so much more than I have. So I wasn't going to sit there and try to tell him all the stuff that I know, but I wanted to find out what he knows. Amen. And so we understand that, that even, even as an adult, you know, I'm 45, I've made the, the middle age mark or what they call the middle age mark. Amen. And I, I've gotten to this place in life, but I realize that there's so, still more to learn. And so we never get done growing. But God has given us the ministry offices and specifically the pastor, pastoral office for a very uh, and very important things in our life. The pastoral office is much bigger than I am. In other words, it, just because I am a pastor doesn't mean I, I am the complete embodiment of the pastoral office. But uh, I am a person who operates under that by the anointing of God. Amen? And so let's get into this here today. You know, the, uh, the, the, the pastor's office will help us in so many things. Amen? One of the things that a pastor's office does is it helps administrate the local church. It means it, it, it helps kind of organize and direct that. And there's giftings that are placed in the life of a pastor that will appear there based on, uh, based on that, the, the anointing that God has laid on their life. If you don't know what anointing is, I know we have some people here that might not understand what anointing is. Anointing uh, literally is that it's, it's the, uh, the thing that God kind of pours over a person to enable them to do something. So, uh, in other words, you know, uh, it's really interesting to me. If you think about a mother, you know, a lot of times a woman who has never been a mother before, when she enters into that, that place in life where she starts, like she, you know, she, she gets pregnant and she, uh, you know, the baby is born, there's certain things a lot of times that just kick in. It's almost like an instinctual thing. And if, if you're a mother, you know what I'm talking about. And if you're a father who's paid attention, you can at least understand because like me, you watched it kick in. I watched it, my own wife, and it was very precious. I, I knew when I met my wife uh, before we were married that she would make a wonderful mother. Um, but I knew that uh, just in her personality, but I even seen her uh, step into things that, that just weren't there before. And that's similar to the anointing of God. You know, when somebody is truly called to be a pastor, they step into things that weren't there before. God gifts them with things that are beyond them. And there's so many times where I look at something, and I, like, I don't know as a human what I would do. But then all of a sudden, the, the pastoral office kicks in, and, and I know things that I didn't know before. And this is one of the really amazing things about the spiritual transaction between us and God is that we, we, we have that in the pastoral office, but the pastoral office is to teach us how to have that ourselves, how to reach and, and, and connect with God in a correct way, in a way that is beneficial to our lives. Now, last week we started uh, in Hosea, but we're going to go to one of our main scriptures. We're going to go back over there to Hebrews 13, 17. Amen. And I really want to, this is a good foundation in the understanding of this. I want to get into us. I want us to really understand this. And so we're going to read some things that might be hard to hear. If you weren't here last week, listen, some of the things I'm going to read here in just a second are going to be fairly, maybe fairly hard for you to hear, but I encourage you to hang on and let me get to the explanation before you make judgment calls. Amen. Because the words in today's society are not words that we like to hear. Amen. 
Glory to God. We'll just go ahead and jump right into it. Over there, Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them. Those are the words. Ooh, ouch. And if you made it this far, if you haven't got right up and run out of the, out of the house yet, praise the Lord, you can stay for just a few minutes longer. I'm going to explain that, and I'm going to let you know what it is and what it isn't. Amen? But obey your leaders and submit to them, for, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will, not, who will give an account. That's an important statement right there. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. Maybe at some point we'll get back into that, that last part of that, because there's so much in that. But I, I want to stick to this first part, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they will keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Those words all go together for a very important reason. Before we get into the first part that's offensive, we're going to look at that last part that says, For they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Now I would say this, if you have a leader or you're under leadership that isn't, doesn't have your best interests in mind or in heart, that would be a problem. If you truly think that the person that you are under are submitting to or under they have authority over you does not have your uh, now when I say your best interest I mean they truly love and care about your life I'm not talking about like every random thing that you bring before them that they want to be part of it or that they want you know or anything like that but I'm saying that they truly watch it that you know they love you you know that they're there for you you know that they're watching over you that word watch as we brought up uh, last week or as I brought up last week brought up to you glory to God uh, last week that watch me that word watch means to like to stay up continually to go sleepless that they they think about you non-stop that you're before them non-stop that they pray for you that they that they they want what's best they seek the Lord for what to preach to you all these types of things amen and so those are things and, and that last part is very important the understanding that we as leaders will always give an account for the way that we, we treated people, the way we were with people, the way that we helped people, or the things that we taught people that were both right and wrong. We will, I will stand before the Lord and I will answer for all the things that I preach in this pulpit. That scares the bejesus out of me. I don't know if that's a thing, but I remember saying that when I was a kid, so I brought it up again. If it was sacrilegious, I apologize. But it does scare the junk right out of me, I'm telling you right now. The fact that I know that, you see, we all will stand before the Lord, and that should scare all of us. I said, we will all stand before the Lord. We will all give an account for our lives. That should scare all of us. But even more so, leaders will stand there with not just the things that they did, but the things they did to you. Amen. And so if a leader is, is treating you bad, even if they don't get, if you don't get vindicated on this earth, one thing you can know is they will answer to Jesus for it at one point. And that's not something that will be very fun if they did, if they truly wronged you. Amen. But now let's get back into the first part, the very offensive part that we don't like to hear. Obey your leaders and submit to them. See, the reason that our culture does not like this is because our culture is dead set. They are dead set on getting people to embrace their way and to do their thing, to like what they want. And that sounds good when you're talking to a group of people and you want them to, get them to, you want them to vote for you. It sounds really good to, to, to get people to say the right things to people. Oh, you should be you and you should be this and you should be that. But I'm just going to put this before you. Every serial killer had a certain personality. 
if you convince them that they should just be them, then what they did was exactly what they were supposed to do. And we know that's not right. Every rapist, every person who has ever, ever attacked somebody maliciously, they were just doing them, man. They were, just being, they were just being them. YOLO, they were only living once. Glory to God. You know what I mean? They were, they were, they were doing the things. They were doing just what meant for them. They, 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 what felt good to them. Praise the Lord. That's what they embraced. Why is it dangerous to pe teach people to do that? Because out of, out of every, I don't know, thousand people, one of them might be a serial killer. You don't want to just randomly teach people to do whatever makes you feel good. In fact, I've done a lot of things that made me feel good that I found out later were real stupid to do. Amen? And so we don't want people to just embrace everything, embrace every thought, embrace every feeling. Dear Lord, have we had different thoughts today? Have you ever wanted to kill a person in one moment, even though you loved them the moment before? I'm telling you the truth. We've all been there. We all know. How many times have you wanted to punch somebody even this week? You know you have. Glory to God. And you think that just because I'm a sanctified pastor that I haven't wanted to punch people this week? Ask my wife. She'll tell you I wanted to punch people this week. Because sometimes I'll tell her that, not her, I didn't want to punch her. Uh, you know. But I do tell her when I want to punch other people. Amen? I don't ever want to punch her. I never want to punch my wife. You know, that, that wouldn't be good. Amen? And I'm not making light of those things, but I am saying we all have those feelings. We have, all have those times where we don't like what's being done to us, where we don't like what's being said to us. Uh, my wife has had students that come in and, and, and she wins them over, and sometimes it works, and sometimes they stay one over. And then sometimes the students don't stay one over. They come in the next day, and because they're just doing them, they're just embracing how they feel, they come in and they're complete jerks. Amen? And, and, and that's not good either. And why, is, why are people like that? Because we have a world that is pressing on people that you do whatever you want to do, whatever you makes you feel right, without question. And that is a dumb way of being. Amen? Praise the Lord. We need to teach people to obey and submit. And this obedience and the submission is not to say that we, okay, Pastor Jeff now is a cult leader. And so we need to all just do everything that Pastor Jeff says. If he says something, I'm not going to do anything unless I ask Pastor Jeff first to get his approval and make sure that he, he tells me exactly what it is I should do in this place and that place. No, that is called a cult, and that is not what we are called to be. Amen? But that, just because a cult, a, a cult does that to an extreme doesn't mean that there is no truth in obeying and submission. And so we need to get to the place where we can hear the words obey and submit and not be bothered by it. Because the truth is, we need to learn what these, of course, last week I defined the terms. Obey means to trust, to listen to, to obey, yield to, comply with. So what is, if you look, just think in a very basic form, what does a preacher do? A preacher is delivering the truth, the word of God to his people, to the people he's connected to. Jesus said to Peter, he said to feed my sheep. If you love me, feed my sheep. That's the instruction that's given to a pastor is to feed the sheep. My job is not to run your life. Guess what I don't want to do? I don't want to run your life. Please believe me, I don't want to run your life. I have a hard enough time running my own life. I don't want to add yours to it. Amen? But I do know how to do it based on certain principles. And a, and a pastor does need to be proven. There needs to be things that are worked into a pastor. This is why you don't just get to go to seminary, come out, and then be a pastor. Can good things get put into you in seminary? Absolutely wonderful things can. Seminary, in case you didn't know, is basically, uh, it's basically preacher's school. 
It's preacher college, amen? It's how you, how you learn about the things of God, but it doesn't necessarily make you a person who has the right character. And see, so many times people come out of seminary and then they just get jobs as pastors. And then people wonder why pastors go out and do, you hear all these pastors doing this and doing that that's wrong. Well, the reason they did that is because they probably weren't called or they weren't fortified or they weren't submitted themselves. See, one of the wonderful things about this is this obey your leaders and submit to them does not just apply to you, but it applies to me as well. Amen. And so I need to learn to know, to, 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 to submit and to those that I trust and in the areas that I trust, just as you do. Amen. I need to listen to. They, their voice needs to have an important uh, a, a weightiness in my life, and that, that should be so. Those things should be so, but that doesn't mean that it's going to control my life. Amen? Uh, praise the Lord. This uh, word obey means that you obey, you trust, you listen to as they give biblical instruction. That's what my job is, is to give biblical instruction. Now, see, where the problem lies is in so many churches, in so many places, uh, the, the, the role of the pastors got blown up into something it was never meant to be. And so people have made the pastor all kinds of different things, and they change it according to their whims. But we know that if we have a standard, we don't break away from the standard. Some people think that this standard is old and it's outdated. Well, it is old, but it's not outdated. This standard, God didn't give us a standard that he was like, well, you know, in a few thousand years it might not apply. He didn't do that. God gave us a standard, and I'm just going to tell you, it works. How do you live a blessed life? You live according to God's standard. How do you live in joy? You live according to God's standard. Do you know this world would solve all the problems of this world is just to get those people to live according to God's standard. You wouldn't need any kind of marches, any kind of rallies. You wouldn't need any kind of, listen, I, and I'm not necessarily opposed to any of that stuff. I'm just saying that you wouldn't even need to stand up. You wouldn't have to make stupid laws. You wouldn't have to have any laws at all. Because if you lived according to God's standard, no one would break any of those laws because they would, they would just already be in their hearts not to do those stupid things. Amen? You wouldn't need to talk about, you wouldn't have to have a law about stealing because nobody would steal if they, if they had God's standard in them. Amen? They would know they'd never have to steal because God would always supply for them. You see, these, there's things that we know according to the standard of God. But when we, you see as we depart from them, as we live away from them, we lose what God wants to produce in our lives. Amen. Um, but this has been, these, these ideas of submit and obey, they have been misused in churches, no doubt. There's many uh, uh, places where spiritual leadership has taken too much authority. They have tried to push too far. You know, one of the things I often say is that, uh, you know, I, I, it is not my job to direct your life. It is my job to encourage you. It's my job to tell you when, I'm, when you're wrong in, in areas when it pertains to spiritual things. Sometimes it's my job to counsel people. But you know what my job is not to do is my job is not to be your dumping station. <clears throat> in fact, I won't be a dumping station. And I work very, I'm working even more diligently at not being that. You know, uh, somebody once said to me, you know, something about counseling with me. But the truth is they weren't counseling with me because they could care less what I had to say about it. All they wanted to do is let me to listen to their problems. That's not my job. You want somebody to listen to your problems? Pay a therapist. That's what they get paid for. They get paid to hear your problems. I don't get paid to hear your problems. 
If, if you, if you, I get, my, the purpose of my job, the purpose, the reason that I get paid at all is to learn and to, to fill myself with the word of God and to, to deliver that to God's people. At times, if you're going through an issue, maybe you haven't got to a certain thing or you don't understand something, at times my job will be to counsel you. But that counsel is not a matter of me looking and agreeing with you that yes, your life is terrible and, and, and yes, all the bad things that happen to you. I don't care about any of that. And the reason I don't care about any of that is because your problems are not going to fix you. The only thing that's going to fix you is the solution to the problem. And that's what I try to offer according to scripture. But there's people, and we've had that in this church, there's people that have come here and they don't want scriptural counsel. They only want, they want, they want to hear what they want to hear. Well, if that's what you want is you're in the wrong place. You're barking up the wrong tree because I ain't going to tell you what you want to hear. And it's not going to help you for me to do so. And so I'm not going to be your dumping station. And at some point in every conversation, especially when someone's dumping, I'll let them go a little bit. But they say, all right, now let's get to the, let's get to the, let's fix the, the solution. You know, because, you, you, you know, and it's just amazing to me how that is. You know, and there's been so many uh, people that have allowed that to be. I just, I don't have time for your stuff. I just don't. I can't fix it. I can't do anything about your problems. I can't change what's going wrong in your life. I certainly can't change bad decisions that you've made in your life. And I'm not going to. Amen. That's not my, my job. I'm getting ahead of myself real quick. Praise the Lord. But we want to make sure that we stay in the right, right uh, uh, vein here. Amen. If you get good at discerning, praise the Lord, you will recognize spirit-led direction in any and every place. I have, this, uh, I have this minister friend of mine who doesn't see things exactly the same way I do We're from two different camps. But he spoke to me one day and I realized that it was, it was God prophesying through him. The other thing that I realized as he was doing so is that I realized that he had no idea that he was. Wow. But see, the Lord was using him in a place to speak to me. If you get good at discerning, at discerning what God is doing, you will be able to discern what's the voice of God even as it's spoken through someone else. You will also get good at discerning whether or not uh, something somebody is speaking is not of God. Amen? Why do I say that? I say that because one of the things is, is that, uh, you, you know, uh, we, we, we endeavor to uh, present the word in such a way that it helps people. Um, but, you know, just, uh, you know, we'll say various things. Maybe I'll mention somebody's name from the pulpit. Maybe I'll, I'll say, you know, I, and I try to do that less and less, but maybe I'll mention, you know, this, this minister said this or that minister said that. Do you realize if I do that, that's not a, 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 my stamp of approval on everything they do. If I said somebody, listen, if, if I'm walking, listen, God, actually, there's something I've wanted to quote from the pulpit many times. It was very good, scriptural in, in, in essence, but the person who said it was somebody I would never follow. It was Gandhi. What he said was very true in this one particular place. Even a blind squirrel can find a nut once in a while. Amen. Uh, what he said was very true in at this one point, but I would never say it because if I said it, then people are going to go out there and start following Gandhi. You know, you know what I mean? And like, listen, if we're not, if we don't promote something, then you know we probably aren't promoting it. But at the same sense, even if I mention something in passing, you don't, don't just take that as, as my stamp of approval on something. And I say that because we have to learn, we have to desire to learn discernment. Do you know I have people that come to me all the time and they say, the Lord told me this, the Lord told me that. I'm like, I know he didn't tell you that. And you say, well, how could you know that God wouldn't say that? Because the scripture says completely the opposite of what you're saying. What you're saying is foolishness. But see, people are convinced of it and they won't let go of the fact that God told them. I was talking with this one person 
and, 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 and counseling them, right? I was counseling them on some things, and as we were talking, we were, you know, I was sharing all these things with them, and, and, and they said, yeah, but the Lord told me this. Okay. And then, uh, I don't know, some months go by, and, and this whole thing fell apart, and then they came to me and they said this, and I said, you know something, though? I told you about that. Yeah. Well, yeah, I realized that, but I had to learn it myself. It would have been a lot easier on both of us if you had learned it back when I told you. Yeah. Amen? Because the thing is, is that some things, you know, there, there are things like, you know, there are things that God may direct you on in your life that I don't know about. But there's certain things that I do know about. There's certain basic, there's basic things with the Lord that, that, that aren't hard to discern, that we don't need an angel to tell us. In fact, that's a problem. A lot of times people are looking for a spiritual experience when God already gave it to us. This, this word came to us in the most spiritual ways, and it's amazing how it comes. And this, this word is not outdated what even one bit. But uh, it came to us in a most magnificent way, and God told, tells us to embrace it. Amen? Praise the Lord. But if you'll get good at discerning, you will recognize spirit-led direction in any place. Amen? Of course, the souls there, they watch out for your souls, means the seed of feelings, desires, affections. In other words, it's your conscious mind. It's who you are. It's not, some people think soul is like spirit, but it's not. They're two different things when the Bible talks about it. Amen? Glory to God. I want to bring up a scripture that, uh, that, that also talks about pastors back there in Jeremiah. This is, of course, a, 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 this was a, a prophecy thousands of years ago about uh, what God would do. Jeremiah 3.15, it says, Then I will give you shepherds after my own heart. Who will what? They, 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 they will, they will uh, take all your problems and they will make them better for you. They will do all your praying for you. They will do all your standing in faith for you. They will do, no, it doesn't say that. It says they will feed you on something. doesn't mean that they're going to feed you food. My job isn't to give you food. It's nice if I can. If you come over to my house, I might feed you something. <laughs> Amen? might give you something to drink. I like that. I like that kind of fellowship. I love those types of things. But don't come to me to feed you the whole time. You know, and, uh, you, you know don't, don't come to me. Don't expect that I'm going to make your life better or that the church is or anything else. It's not the purpose of the church. Do you know at some point churches become, and there is a place, there is a place that churches are supposed to help people and do things. But you know the church is not meant to be the continual, um, the continual supply to your life as far as finances or food or anything else goes. That's not the purpose of this. The church is to house the congregation of the Lord. It's the place where the Lord, or, or where the Lord through the minister delivers the things that, uh, that the people need to hear. It's where the people get fed spiritually. And so that's what it's talking about here. He says, I'll feed you on knowledge and understanding. Knowledge and understanding. This isn't repetitive. This is two different things. Yeah. Knowledge is, to, is literally to know something. It's, it's something you didn't know before. Amen? Adam and Eve did not eat an apple. It's something you didn't know. Maybe some of you did. Maybe you've heard me before. But nowhere in the Bible does it say they ate an apple. It says they ate a certain fruit. It was a fruit off the tree of knowledge, wasn't it? No, it wasn't the, the, the fruit off the tree of knowledge. It was the fruit off the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You see how much the narrative can change. You know, the love of money is the root of all evil. No, that's not what the Bible says. This is knowledge. I'm giving you knowledge. There was two of every animal on the ark. That is not true. Some animals, there were seven of every animal on the ark. And not every animal that exists today was on the ark. What do I mean? Well, I have a little Cassie dog at home. She is a little, what do you call her? She's a miniature Yorkie. She's a miniature rat. That's what I call her. She's a little rat. She's a miniature Yorkie. She's not a dog 
It's about the closest to a dog as I'm allowed right now, so I have to deal with it. Amen? And that's okay. We're working on the sanctification process in my home. But that, that, that's the dog that we are allowed to have right now. We call her a dog. She's not really a dog. Was there miniature Yorkies on the ark? Absolutely not. There was not miniature Yorkies on. There was not boxers on the, uh, on the ark. There was not, you know, uh, all the, there was probably wolves and some sort of specific wolf. And from there, many uh, came from there. It was an evolution. It was just in their DNA to make different kinds of breeds of all kinds of different dogs. Actually, we have some friends that are creating a new breed as probably as we speak. They're in the process. They have a lab and they're making a whole, not a lab lab, like a Labrador retriever. <laughs> They have a dog lab, amen. And and it's not that it's actually a golden retriever. They're making golden doodles or something like that. And it's it's uh, this fancy process of cutting the legs off of one and sewing them onto another or something like. That. I don't know how it all works, but it works, amen. And so uh, that's knowledge. Those things are knowledge. Understanding is the ability to apply that knowledge. See, knowledge without the ability to apply it is worthless. You can know everything. You could have. You could be so book smart that it, that 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 you uh, that nobody could teach you anything, but you have no understanding, and it's not going to do you any good. Yeah. Amen. Praise the Lord. I love as uh, I, I love as we train up our kids as we you know we do this. Of course, this is a process that we go, we're going through. Uh, you know, we've we've been through most of the early stages. Now we're into the latter stages of the the actual training of kids. And one of the things that I learned is that you know there's a lot they don't know that we just know. Yeah. And one of the things that I am so happy about, you could not pay me enough money to go back and live in my twenties. I, I'm telling you right now, and just so you know, I am very looking forward to my 50s and then my 60s afterwards. Yeah. I don't get mad about getting older. I get excited about it. Why? Because I know a little bit more and I do a little bit less stupid. Yeah. Right? <laughs> just a little bit, but it's a little bit less. And that causes me a little bit less pain, a little bit less suffering. Amen? Sometimes I look at my kids and say, and then I say to my wife, they'll learn. They're going to have to learn. They're going to walk it out. They didn't want to listen, so they're going to learn it on their own. They'll learn it on their own. It'll bite them for a little while, and then they'll realize they don't like getting bit. See, sometimes getting bit isn't bad, amen? It teaches you to stay away from that dog. Amen? <laughs> Glory to God, hallelujah. And so this, this is what knowledge and understanding is. Notice that the Lord saw fit to send shepherds after his own heart, so they have the heart of God in them to feed you with knowledge and understanding. So if God thought that was necessary, what's probably necessary in our lives? See, people that think they don't need a pastor are people that are foolish. I've known people that think, I, I've actually known people that think they're called to ministry, but they won't submit to a pastor. They're not because they have no idea what ministry is even about. They have no idea. Now, maybe there is some kind of calling there, but they won't ever get into it because they don't understand what it means to submit. They don't understand what it means to obey. They, they think that it's just do whatever you want to do. Un, uh, uh, if you can believe this, I don't just get up here and do whatever I want to do. Amen? And the times I've tried, I've gotten in trouble for it. You see, the Lord will deal with me on things. There's times where I'm like, oh, I thought this was a good idea, and so I said it. And then later, the Lord's like, really? Great idea, huh? Now, when, the God, when, when, when God is coming to you and he's, and he, and he's trying to uh, express to you that you've done wrong, and you know it before him, yeah. Amen? How about this? How about, when was the last time that you got in an argument with your spouse and then had to stand up in front of a group of people and tell them? And then tell them you were wrong? When was the last time that happened to you? Well, it's happened to me enough to know that I won't argue with her on Sundays. <laughs> Amen. 
ain't going to happen. And if we get an argument on a Saturday, I'm making it right before Sunday. Amen. Because then at least if I still have to stand before you and tell you I argued with you with her, I can also tell you that I did right by her too. Amen. Praise the Lord. And then I can look like the, the good guy. Amen. Praise the Lord. What a pastor is not. Are you ready? <clears throat> they may be appointed by man, but they are not given by man. The pastoral office can be appointed by man. It's not given by man. Um, in fact, we know this about the Word of God itself. The Word of God does not come to us by, any, by the will of man, but by the will of God. Right, yeah. I think it says that over there in 1 Peter or 2 Peter. Uh, it's either 1 or 2 Peter, so we go to one of them and they'll tell you. They were twins, you know. <laughs> one came out first, the other one came out second. I don't know if that's actually true. Don't quote me. That's not good knowledge, amen? <laughs> See, understanding is that sometimes what Pastor Jeff says is just not true, amen? <laughs> understanding is knowing when that is and when that is. Good way you can, if you want, to, want true discernment on whether I'm doing okay or not, look at her face, amen? You follow her face and I'll take you somewhere, amen? You can know where, amen? Or the back of your head, yeah, 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 yeah. Amen. Well, well, we'll tell you if she just gets, if she just starts getting twitchy, we'll tell you that's what it is at a time, so you, you know, amen? But a pastor, is, it may be appointed by man, but they are not given by man. I can't just decide, I couldn't just decide to be a pastor. In fact, I tried to decide not to be one. I came up with plenty of reasons why I shouldn't be one. I came up with, I even acted some of them out, amen? I tried not to be a pastor. There's many times this last week I tried not to be a pastor anymore. I was like, Lord, I don't want to do it. I, I told my wife there's a couple of times. I, you know, I had some periods of time this week. I had both some of the most extreme blessings this week, and I had some of the most extreme things bad happen to me. And in one, at one point during that, so under, under just the pressure, I, I, I gave it all up to God. I said, Lord, here you go. You tell you, I don't want to do it anymore. And I told my wife, just to make sure, in case he didn't hear, I was going to tell her too. Amen. <laughs> But by the next day, the Lord was showing me why I needed to continue to do it, and I continue to do it. Amen? See, we'll all go through. Why do I share that with you? Because I want you to understand, we all go through periods of times. There are highs and lows. Just because, just because I can stand here and laugh and, and, and get goofy in, in a moment doesn't mean that every day of my life is just, is just uh, rose petals and butterflies. It means that I have to walk out. The, in fact, the hardest job of a pastor is to walk out the things they teach you to do. But so we have to understand that the office of pastor, it's not, it's appointed, it can be appointed by man, but it's not given by man. It's not something that man just decides. And if they do, it always ends in disaster. Amen? You cannot make it, you cannot will it, you cannot become it. It is something that is God-given. Amen? Number th and the number two thing that a pastor is not, a pastor is not the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Their advice may be useful, but it is, does not take the place of the leading of the Lord in your life. You need to understand, if I gave you advice, if you asked me for advice and I gave it to you, and it didn't set right with you, you may want to come back and ask me again and may even ask me, Pastor, can you help me with scripture to show me where this is accurate? If you said to me, the Lord's teaching me to just not be faithful to the church, to just go do my own thing. I could take you to scripture and show you how the Lord is not leading you to do that. If you're saying, well, the Lord is leading me to go to different churches every week, I could take you to scripture and show you how the Lord would not lead you to do that. Amen? I, if you were saying, well, uh, the, 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 the Lord doesn't want me to do anything, just, just to, to spend it doing my own thing, you know, I could teach you in scripture how that is not true. 
Amen? And of course, there's lots of deeper things that we can get into, but there is a truth that we all need to learn how to hear from God ourselves. And if the pastor is not helping people learn how to hear from God themselves, he, is, he or she has become a detriment to them, a liability to them. He is not or she is not a help to them any longer. You need to learn and your desire needs to be, I want to know God for myself. I don't want to, listen, because I'm not going to be there to pray for you every time and nor should I be. It's not my job to pray for you every time something goes wrong. It's your job to pray. Now, if you're weak, if you're hurting, if you're at a place where you just don't know what else to do and you need someone else to pray, there's nothing wrong at all with calling somebody alongside you. Amen? But that's one of the things of the local church as well because we, we have brothers and sisters in here. You know, as I look around this room, I see connections. I, it, it blesses me, you know, connections that even, even a year ago didn't exist or didn't exist the way that it does, does today. And I see those connections being made. And you know what that is? That's family. You know, so often we give so much importance to our families, and we should give importance to our families. We give importance to our extended families, but we forget something. A lot of times our, our extended families are just plain screwed up. Yes. They are, aren't they? They just, I mean, listen, and, and there's a blood connection, there's things, I'm not saying dishonor that, we should never dishonor that. But a lot of times people will do that, and then they'll throw their church family aside like it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, this is the family that should matter. Why? Because we're, we're, we're the ones. Listen, if they're real screwed up, they might not even be in heaven someday. And we want people to get to heaven. But the, the importance is we have to understand that God has called us to be together for eternity. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Make you look at each other a little bit different. Might as well learn to get, get, get along with you because we're going to be forced to be together forever. <laughs> but they are not the Holy Spirit. The pastor is not the Holy Spirit. There are certainly times where I've had advice from spiritual leadership, from even my pastor, that was I just knew wasn't exactly what I needed to do. I didn't fight with them about it. I didn't fight with them about it, but I knew I had to follow the Lord. Conversely, there has been many times where I've gone to my pastor and the only thing, exactly what he offered me was exactly what I needed. In fact, one of the things that I've learned is that when I'm going through some of the hardest times in my life, they will be broken off my life, sometimes just from sitting around my pastor. And so getting that opportunity, I place great importance on that. But he still is not God to me. Right. He still is, uh, he may go in a slightly different direction than I go, and that's okay. Yeah. Praise the Lord. The fruit will prove out in time, amen? Yeah. Praise the Lord. But the principles that he's taught me, I, I am deeply indebted to my pastor for those things. I am deeply indebted to those spiritual leadership that have come before me, that have, have taught me things, that have put stability in my life through the preaching of the word. Even if I don't always agree, that's okay. Amen. We're not called together to always agree. We're called together to get something. And that's why it's so imperative to know where am I called to be? Because when you know where you're called to be, then you know where that someone is called there to feed you. You can trust that, but that's why you got to know it. And that's why I pray for people to know it themselves. I don't want you coming in here because someone made you come in. I want you to be here because you know it's where God has called you, where he wants to change your life. But when you know that, don't be willy-nilly about it. Don't be milly-vanilly about it either. You know, I still, I'm telling you, I'd still, girl, you know it's true. I'd still listen to that album. <laughs> Only certain people know what I'm talking about. I see, the, got Caleb back here. He's looking at me like, what the heck is he talking about now? Praise the Lord. High five. <laughs> Praise the Lord. That's my era, man. I love, hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Don't be willy-nilly or milly-vanilly. That's a notable quote right there, love. That should, uh, you should, we should make some kind of post about that. Amen. There should be some kind of... 
Praise the Lord. What's that? You could probably sing as good as they do. I probably could. I probably could. Praise the Lord. Because I don't think they could sing very good at all. Woo. They didn't sing it. But they looked good while they were singing it. That's all that matters, right? So it didn't matter how good you are. It just matters how good you look while you're doing it. Amen? Praise the Lord. So here, here quite possibly one of the most important things about a pastor is they are a pointer to Jesus. They, they, that's what the, my job is, is to always bring you back to him. My job is not to create my own world, my own kingdom, my own, my own royalty, my own whatever. My job is to constantly bring you to Jesus. When you come to me for advice, you know what my, is in my heart as you sit there and you, you, or when you come with a question, my heart is point to Jesus. Get them to know Jesus. Amen. I can't save your life. Only Jesus can. But you know what's great about that is he definitely, definitely can. He always can. Amen? Amen? Praise the Lord. They, I said this before, they are not a cleanup crew for your problems, and they are not a dumping station. They can offer advice. But you understand this, sometimes there are things we're going to have to walk out in life. Sometimes there's mistakes we'll make in sin that we will have to walk out. God will not wash them away. He'll wash them away in the sense that he won't charge us with them. He won't always, you know, we won't go before him and say, you can't get into heaven now because your sins aren't forgiven. Sins can be forgiven, but the actions of the sins sometimes produce. You want me to give you an example? You say, sure you do. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So, um, you know, my, my son, my oldest son, Mark, here was born out of wedlock. His mother uh, and I were, uh, you know, we were, we were partying together. We got together just for the sake of explaining everything. Uh, because those who know know what I'm talking about. And those who don't, you wait in a little while, you will. Amen. When you ask your parents on the way home. Sorry, guys, but that's the way it goes sometimes. It's not my job to teach your kids. It's your job to teach your But my son here was born out of wedlock. And then that, uh, th then that relationship, which was, uh, which was not brought together by anything other than uh, uh, the, the, the substance in the moment, glory to God, it didn't last, nor could it, because we never had any time to know each other. Now, as, as we tried to have a relationship or did whatever we did looking like we were trying to, or whatever it was, and we ended up even getting married. And out of that came Caleb. And Caleb was also, uh, he, he wasn't born out of wedlock, but he was still in this tumultuous relationship. Now that relationship, I'm not blaming anybody on it currently. It was her fault, but I'm not blaming. That's just, I'm just, a, that's just a joke. That's just a joke. That's just funny. I, I said that for a joke, complete joke. Amen. Glory to God. The relationship was doomed from the start. I'll just tell you that. Because it was built on nothing. There was nothing really of substance there. And so I had nowhere to go. That's the truth of it. Amen? And so I take all the blame off her completely now. Okay? So, that, 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 so in case anybody heard that, or if there's anyone out there, say, hey, I'm telling her. You also got to tell her that, too. Because I don't want any kind of, you know, mean, nasty grams or anything like that. And, and understand that, you know, things are in the past. Of course, it's, it's really good that, I can, that they are in the past because I can talk about it with my, my wife, my true wife, here with me today. Amen? And she's not bothered by it because she knows that it's a thing. You're not bothered by it, right? Everybody look at her. Just make sure. No, I'm just kidding. She, she, she ain't bothered by it. Why? Because she understands. Well, okay, so what, what this is, and I've let that go. Any of the pain, suffering that came as a result of that relationship is gone. But for years and years and years, when Christmas came around, we had to th figure out different things to do. We couldn't just have Christmas. 
when Thanksgiving came around, we couldn't figure out different things to do. We, we couldn't just have Thanksgiving. There was different times when it was like, you got to share them for this and share them for that. There was times when we never liked getting rid of the kids even for a minute. We love having our kids around. But there was times when she'd want to take them on vacation and she would take them on vacation and we were without them for a week. Sometimes it was, and most of the time we, we were very sad in those times, especially before we had a little Muffet to take up the slack, amen? <laughs> and so it, it, these, these were true. Sometimes we couldn't have them day in and day out because they had to go with their time with their mother. And you see, all of the effects of this weren't going to change overnight just because we got right and we started serving God because that's exactly what happened. And we got together and not long after that, we started serving God, we started coming to church, we started being faithful, but the effects of the sin of my past life still affected us and it didn't just affect me now it also affected her and then later on when Ezra was born it also affected her why because now her brothers aren't there all the time like she would want them to be the times where she was looking for them or the times where where, where she thought uh, that that they should be there and they couldn't be there amen or that she should be where they were and they and that couldn't happen and you see this isn't to put condemnation in anyone's court the purpose of this is to say when things are entered into through sin there are doors that are open that sometimes just can't be shut. And that's okay. I said that's okay because God works it out. And God has continued to work it out. And of course, our family has grown from it. We've learned a lot. Uh, there's a lot that I can do. But you know, and, and there's lots of experience that I've had in those lines. Uh, lots of things that I've done that you can't just erase necessarily. But, you know, God will do something with you. But we're not a cleanup crew. A pastor is not a cleanup crew to come in and make all your mistakes go away. God isn't that either, in fact. But God will work with your mistakes to make your future better. Amen? And I can help point you that direction. That is what I'm for. That's why I'm not going to be dumped on. Amen? Again, they're not a dumping, station, a dumping station. But what we are is this. We're a chief feeder. That's one of the number one things that we do is we feed. We, we feed, we feed, we feed. We feed with knowledge and understanding. That's our job. Uh, if you come to me and you ask a question, uh, you, you, I, I'm going to try to feed you with knowledge and understanding how to, and that's why sometimes if you've asked me questions, they don't just get answered in two seconds, you know, that they take a little bit longer to get through, amen? But another more, uh, also important thing is that they are uh, an administrator in the local church. It's like herding kittens sometimes, but that's what we do. You all kittens, and we, we got to keep you all going in the same direction. Why? Because various factions pop, pop up. Various things happen during, you know, you bring a group of people together to don't know each other. You got people from all different kinds of walk of life, all kinds of backgrounds, all different kinds of things going on, and then they come in, and not everybody likes each other. Not everybody agrees all the time. Not everybody even likes being around each other. Sometimes you'll come in and you'll see somebody that you didn't like from before. So what does God do? The, the administrator helps keep all that together. Helps us going in the direction that God's taking us as a group. God will take you places individually, but he'll also take us places as a group. And that's part of what a pastor does. You cannot be in the will of God without a pastor. Amen? It's impossible. Praise the Lord. Okay, glory to God. We've established what obey is. It's not the dictates of man. We have established this, uh, this position is God's desire for us. So if his, desire, uh, his desires have purpose, then we have to understand uh, the will of man does not equate to the purpose of God. As I am a pastor, as I walk this out, as I follow the dictates, and we're going to get into one here in a minute, of what God has showed me to do, I have to yield and submit myself. I have to obey him. I have to obey other things. I can't just do things the way that I want to do them. 
And I learned that more and more because there's a lot of times I'd like to do them much differently than what we do. Amen? So this is not about pleasing me either. Turn with me to 1 Peter. And we are getting close to the end here. Praise the Lord. The clock back there tells me i got 12 minutes left, so i got a whole lot to give you in a short amount of time. Amen. First Peter. That was all the introduction, by the way. <laughs> Praise God. First Peter 5. 1 Peter 5, verses 1 through 3. Now this is direction to the elders, um, which the, the, the term elder... And uh, uh, it is a little bit different than pastor, but a pastor is an elder. You can't be a pastor without being an elder. Um, but an elder, you know, there are elders in a church. You know, people who are uh, raised up, who grow to that place where they could, maybe even could pastor, um, and they become elders, amen? Elders are the people that uh, kind of oversee things, that could run things if the pastor, uh, pastor is away, amen? Uh, Reverend Josh and Rachel. Uh, for example, could to to a degree under under the office that is currently here could do that, amen. Because they they are elders in the church. It isn't because of age; it's because of the place that they've attained in in faith. And anybody can become an elder. That's not a but. There's a process of getting there, amen. Praise the Lord. And so we, here we see it. It says, therefore, I exhort elders among you, as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God among you. So be a shepherd to the flock of God that's among you. Look at this. Exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily according to the will of God. And not for sordid gain, but with eagerness. Uh, nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. Amen. Amen. And this is right about where my notes stop, just so you know. Oversight literally means to look diligently, to look upon, to inspect, to oversee, to look after, to care for, to look carefully. That's what it means when it says exercise oversight. In other words, they are to administrate. They are administrating over the local church. They are keeping things in order. They are looking to see things right. I had a dream, and I'm still deciding whether or not it was a spiritual dream. I, I, I thought it might be. Amen. I shared it with Reverend Josh in the back in the office just before service. But uh, I had a dream that I, this this morning. I, I had a dream that as I was, my wife and I were coming into the church, that. Uh, some people, our leadership in our church, decided they made a, a decision to do something that they thought was a good idea. And what they did was, is they decided that it would be really good if we all parked across the street at the park. Okay? Now, the thought behind this is one that, 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 uh, that faithful people in the church often would have. Listen, if we're filling the sanctuary, and there's not very many parking spots out there. The people that can walk should walk. Just telling you the truth. Just because you get there first doesn't mean you should have the best parking spot. Amen? But, you know, as, as, as I pulled up to the church, what it looked like to me is exactly what it would look like to me, and that's no one's there. And it wasn't so much because I didn't think anybody was there, because I know all their cars. I saw them parked across the street. Amen? But people driving by go by and say, well, did the church close? 
You see, uh, uh, what this is, and this is really quite, I didn't, I really do believe, I, I'm believing more so that it was, there is spiritual in nature. Because then when I walked into the church, I had hired uh, this, this, this man that we have used a bunch of times to, I had hired him to install a door, a new door in the church. But I forgot to be, I remember in the dream, I forgot to be specific. I'm getting somewhere with this, I promise. I, I forgot to be specific. And as we walked up to our, our, our new door, which is fairly, if you haven't been here long, you realize the door you came through isn't that old. And, you know, it took us a little while to get there. That was an expensive piece of uh, property out there. Amen. And, and so we had, but he, he had taken that door off. And it just installed this cheap, ugly, like Home Depot white door, big white door that was like a big sore thumb in the front of the church. Amen? See, um, there's people that would do that and think that's fine. There's people that will do things like that and think that's okay. But see, a pastor's heart, because they understand other things, they understand that weirdness drives people away. They understand that a lack of excellence will push people out the door. And so people going by thinking nothing's going on, that's exactly what they'll do. They'll never come in because they'll think. It's the same thing with the air conditioning. Some people think, well, it's a, and I'm not using this, this is not as an example, but everything in the local church should be excellent. Yeah. Why is it? There was a time when the local church, that even the community recognized so much so how important the local church was that businessmen in the community that didn't even have anything to do with the church would invest into the local church because they realized the importance of God's house in the center of town. And people today think, yeah, we can go without that. They think, oh, there's weeds out there. That doesn't matter so much. They think that, oh, the, 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 the paint's peeling. That's not a big deal. They think, but see, all of those things matter. They matter to God. And they, but see, a pastor's heart sees that. A pastor's heart sees when something's weird. You can ask my kids, they, they, they'll, they'll notice the music's a little too loud, like, you know, at, before or after service. Or maybe it's the wrong song. We don't want that kind because of the atmosphere. That it, even though it's a good song, it may put an atmosphere that, 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 is, uh, that, that is the wrong thing. Amen? All of these things matter. And if you don't think they do, do a little bit of study on how they build casinos out there in Las Vegas. Because they build casinos, they, it's down to an absolute science. Everything from the colors, everything to the sounds, everything is designed to draw you in and get you to spend money. Amen? And although we're not trying to get you to come in and spend money, the point is, is we do want people to come in and connect to the things God's doing. And as we do that, but every, everything, like if, if you put somebody out, uh, if you put somebody at the door, praise God, if you put somebody at the door who's miserable and nasty and upset and mean and, and just not having a good day, what does a first-time visitor see when they come through? And that's how they judge the church. Uh, conversely, if you have, uh, uh, Dr. Dufresne used to say, uh, 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 he used to call it Sister Bucket Mouth. You know, the, you know, sometimes we have those, and we have those in our churches. We have, we have Sister Bucket Mouse and Brother Better Than Use, you know, that know everything about God, and they know everything, and they're super spiritual, and they'll, they'll tell you everything that you're doing wrong, and everything that, you know, and they, and they talk about how great faith they have, and how much they prayed, and do all these things that they do to make themselves seem wonderful and great and all that stuff, and all they do is they push people away. We've seen that in the community. We've seen Christians that get onto Facebook, and they start spouting different things because of what they believe. And technically, what they're saying is not wrong. It's just like, technically, uh, anybody who can walk parking across the street to leave an empty space for someone who might uh, not stay if they don't have it, technically, that's not wrong. But, ideally, you don't want it to look empty either. 
because that would be wrong. That would cause people to think in such a way. And so there's, and I've learned that as I preach, as I minister the word, that dealing with people, there's times where you would think people would just agree with the way you agree or the way you think, but they don't. And so you have to give people a space and time. You have to teach them patiently. And there's all of this stuff. And see, that is all in a pastor's heart. Amen? But that's exercising oversight. They're looking diligently into your life. They're seeing, okay, what kinds of things do the people need? There's times where, uh, you know, I, I three weeks ago, I wasn't planning on p- teaching on the pastor's office, let alone for two weeks. But then all of a sudden, I see that there was need for that and direction. And why is that? Because there's some things that we need to get out of that. Amen? And so we need to make the most of that. We need to understand. Listen, I don't want people feeling like just because I said, you know, I'm not a dumping station, you can't share something if you need to. Do it, but do so with the understanding that I want to help you get to the problem. I don't want to just listen to you. So if, it, you know, if you've talked for 45 minutes, you probably need to shut up. I mean, that's a, I mean it's just the truth. I'm just telling you, I've learned that myself. But sometimes it's like, okay, I've, I've said enough now. You, you, you probably want to say something, you know? And sometimes as a pastor, my wife has to tap me. She does. She pokes me. And I always make a big thing about it. Why are you poking me? But she's poking me because she doesn't want them to know that she's poking me, telling me to shut up. You know, you got you to reel it in a little bit. I get excited sometimes. I get, you know, especially if you ask me a question right after I preach. I'm all fired up on the service. I'm all jacked on the service. And you come up, ask me a question, then you wonder why I speak at you nonstop for another 45 minutes because I'm preaching to you everything I couldn't just preach. Amen? <laughs> Don't stay away either, you know. We'll, we'll, we'll get there, Amen? Praise the Lord. But they look But look at this. They, they, uh, the, the, the job of, uh, of the elders, and of course the pastor is, very, is included at the top of this, to shepherd the flock, exercising that oversight, but not under compulsion. In other words, not like, like if, if you see, if you ever come to church, you know, sometimes I come out just, I come out just before because I'm just getting ready and getting last minute preparations. Amen. And, uh, uh, and I fellowship with people afterwards, but I don't, you know, you know, sometimes beforehand, you know, the reason we go in there is because we need to, we need to get ready to come out and preach and we need to have a clear mind and not, not hear that, you know, you know, if you're, if you're dying and wait to tell me until afterwards, unless you need hands laid on you right now, you're like currently dying and then, and then we can do it. You know what I mean? But, uh, but like, you know, if, if, if you ever come in here and, and, and you see this door open and, and Reverend Josh has got one arm and my wife's got another, I almost want to do this because my shoes would slide. Come on, guys, help me. Come on, we're, we're doing it. Yeah, get up here. We're going to do this. Mark, get up here. You know. Mark, Mark, we're going to do this. We're going to do this without me falling flat on my face. Hurry up, because we only got, we got, okay. And, and, no! No! That would mean that, that that's under compulsion. I should have had Mark on the other side, because Josh is, is taller and probably blocked the camera out. Let's redo this. No, I'm just kidding. We're not going to redo it. Amen. But, uh, uh, that's compulsion, you know, and, and, and we're not supposed to do it under compulsion. Like, we're made to do it. Oh, I just got to do it again. Here I am. I guess we're just going to have church, you know. And, and, of course, that's the direction. But, but, but reflecting back onto that, you know, the, the only way that that happens. You want to show them again? The only way that that happens <laughs> is if you reflect back to Hebrews thirteen seventeen, which says, let them do so with joy. And not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. Yeah. It's not profitable if you have to force me to come out here and speak to you. Amen? So there is a part on my part that I've got to submit to that. But at the same time, there, there's a place in your, your end that you want to make sure 
that I don't want to be dragged out, that I want to come skipping out or whatever we do, amen? That I'm all into it. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Um, <clears throat> you see, I see these things and it's just sometimes you gotta, yeah, gotta act it out. But voluntarily, according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain. In other words, we're not doing it for money. I assure you, we are not doing it for money. Um, but with eagerness as well. Glory to God. And this is very important. This is where we're closing. Because that, you know, look, everybody turn around. Oh, it's not doing it anymore. Never mind. But back there, the clock was just flashing at me. It was a mean flash. It was like, stop talking, stop talking, stop talking. I'm just about to stop talking, I promise you. Verse 3, not yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to them. My job is not to force you into coming to church. It's not to force you to give. It's not to force you to connect. It is to encourage you. It is to be an example. Yeah. And that's why we always say, I've, we've never asked people in our church to give without giving and giving significantly. We never have. You know, um, we, we, we say it all the time. Uh, you know, we have great need in this church. We have great need financially. My wife and I sewed into it in a great measure. Amen? And, it, you, you know, it's, it, and, and we do that because we believe in what's going on. We believe in what we're doing and what we're called to do. Amen? And others have as well. You know, and, and, it's, and we will continue to. Um, to be an example to people, praise the Lord, but not controlling people. You know, I, I don't look at, you know, a lot of people don't understand this, but I have no idea who gives what based on the simple fact of, uh, of, of envelopes or anything like that. I don't even look who, who's putting money in. Uh, it, you know, as, I, as they walk by with the buckets, I don't care about that. I don't care about what people give. It doesn't matter to me. It doesn't change in the sense that, you know, it blesses me if people give, but it doesn't, uh, or, or do something like that. But it's not, I don't, I don't have any idea what it is. And I purposely don't do that because I, if I know all the numbers, then there, the Bible tells us that there can be a temptation to do it for, uh, do something under compulsion for them. And I don't want to do that. Praise the Lord. I want to drive you out of the church without fearing <laughs> that we won't pay the electric bill this month. Amen? Praise the Lord. So if I got to drive you out, praise the Lord. I, I want it to be real. I want it to be good. And I don't want to be afraid as I'm doing it. Amen? Praise God. And there's actually a lot of stuff in there. Of course, I'm joking, but, uh, the, you know, there's a lot of truth in that. Amen? Um, and, and, and not uh, serving people based on what they give and, and so on and so forth. Amen? Praise the Lord. So we see a kind of an overview. I don't know if we'll get into it more next week or if this is a good ending spot. We'll I'll just follow, follow the Lord on that. But, uh, you, you know, it's a good overview about what the pastoral office is and what it's for, that it helps us see, you know, at least you can get a taste of it. Of course, there's a lot more in Scripture about it, but that's, uh, that, that's, that's at least a good taste for us to see, you know, a need for it in some, uh, some ways that we can uh, partake of that. Amen?